friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to inspire, encourage, and ignite your kingdom purpose while equipping you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged. On today's episode, Nathan and Anna Burks, who pastor in Durant, Oklahoma, are back for part two of a conversation with their pastors, Joel and Kristen McCoy, to talk about their experience as business owners into full-time ministry. You don't want to go anywhere, so let's get into today's episode. Back to Next Gen Podcast uh, here with Brother Nathan Burks and Sister Anna Burks. And we are excited to be back with you uh, for really kind of part two. Um, earlier, we heard from Pastor McCoy on uh, apostolic business owners uh, at a young age, and everything he had to say was incredible. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, to kind of uh, not to sound redundant here, but to once again give a few of the accolades. Brother and Sister McCoy, pastor in Porter, Texas, just a little bit north of Houston. Uh, and uh, as we get into this particular podcast, you'll you'll hear a little bit more of it, but uh, the church that they pastor is very well standing. Last time, as pastor was speaking about business owning, uh, being apostolic, being in the church, supporting the church, or being an employee or an employer and being Christ-like. And, and, and uh, he really did a good job of bringing out the example of Joseph. If you have not heard that podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was great information. But now I would like to open it up to uh, Sister McCoy. And uh, the question that I kind of uh, gave her is uh, asking her to elaborate on some of the challenges and really, I guess they would be uh, some adventures um, on the family side of things, the family side of uh, being a young uh, evangelist wife, a business owner's wife, mom of four kids, uh, and now she is a pastor's wife. And of course, being pastor's wife, the other things did not go away. It just got added too, and uh, I would like for her to just kind of uh, really go in the direction that she wishes to with this, and uh, take her liberty. And so, Sister McCoy, talk to us a little bit today. Well, it's great to join y'all, and um, it has definitely, <laughs> definitely been a wild ride. Um, and really, you know, what I have to say just comes from my point of view, and I will try to speak to as broad of an audience that I can as far as um, the role of a woman in ministry, married to ministry, uh, and the role of mother and evangelist wife or business owner wife, etc. 
but I think it all it all boils down to your mindset. Um, just to give a little background, I I came from a broken family. I was raised to be very strong-minded, to be very independent, to go to school um, and do all the things myself. Mm-hmm. I was going to take care of myself. Um, with that came some trust issues. And so you can imagine if, if any of you uh, are, are married to evangelists or pastors, how much of a struggle that can be once you are on the field. And so, um, but I think it all comes down to your mindset. And the mindset that I'm talking about is one that is counterculture, uh, even countercultural to what I was raised under. Um, it's countercultural in the world and in the church. And so the question I think young women need to ask themselves is what is my role? Because that can get very blurry and very muddied, um, especially with a background, uh, especially with this, this generation, women are empowered, you know, and that is just, that is just something that is being taught, is being encouraged and and that kind of thing. Not saying that in a a godly context, it's a bad thing, but it is something that, um, you do have to temper. So what is my role? And that boils down to what the Bible talks about as far as women. And that is the help meet, um, and right now, speaking to married women, you're, you are here for him. You're here for your husband and for what God has called him to do. And so the question we should be asking is, what does he need? Um, I have been a supporter. I've been a Monday pick the preacher upper. <laughs> I've been a mother, a housekeeper, a clothes washer, pack the suitcase, wash the clothes, pack them again. Um, and my foundational, uh, commitment is to be his help me. <laughs> and so two things, I think being married to a minister or business owner, um, there are two things that I think, uh, that I, I feel like the Lord helped me with, especially the first year I was married to an evangelist and, and that life is all about trust. And so the first thing I prayed for was flexibility. Coming from a family um, that worked nine to five, uh, coming from a family that was blended, you know, that, that trust was always an issue. But the first thing I prayed for the first year we were married was flexibility. And I had to really, really pray about that because um, my husband would he would, his, his schedule would change at the bat of an eyelash, you know, and we would be going one, one place, one day, another place the next day. And I would get so outdone with it because I needed a schedule. Mm. You know, I needed things to be concrete. Right. You need, I needed stability. And the thing of it is, is I had to learn to trust I had to learn to trust the Lord to take care of us. I had to learn to trust that things could change on a dime. And I asked the Lord, God, give me flexibility. And throughout the years, he has drawn me and um, letting me know that I could trust him at every turn. And so now, I mean, my husband could tell me, 
you know, we're picking up and moving <laughs> to Timbuktu tomorrow. And I'd be like, okay, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, God, God has given me that. And that is something I think that everyone in that position should, should ask for. And the, um, the second thing uh, would be balance because as mothers, as wives, we, we are, we are the mothership. We are the rudder underneath the water paddling as hard as we can go to keep, to keep the ship afloat. It's just the truth. We are the ones, um, you know, helping to balance things out. We're the propeller making things move. We're the steering wheel, <laughs> steering conversations and moments. Like I said, when, when he needs to be picked up on Mondays after a hard preaching on Sunday. Um, I remember what it was like hearing, uh, hearing different women talk about, well, we're doing this and doing that and doing this. And I can remember as a guy thinking, you know what? I mean, look at all the stuff I'm doing and look at this and I'm, I'm doing the preaching, I'm doing the traveling, but I'm going to tell you what I realized is that the greatest strength of my ministry outside of Jesus was, what was my wife and I know her sitting here and talking about, you know, felt like she was the propeller, felt like she was the rudder, felt like she was the cargo hold. The fact, the fact is it was like that. I can remember. And, and she mentioned it earlier talking about, you know, picking me up on Monday, you know, I'd step into the pulpit full of faith on Sunday, telling them, you know, they could do this and they could do that. And they, and then I pour my heart out and I'd, preach that altar. We'd do everything else, but then we'd leave and, you know, we'd have bills come in the mail that we couldn't pay, or we'd have this situation or that situation. And here I am, I'm, I'm preaching to others. Hey, you got to keep the faith, but what happens on the days when I'm down and kind of find out and, and what I learned in marriage and even in the early years of evangelizing, cause we started right off of, you know, I was already evangelized before we got married but I learned that my greatest help because what was her, because on those days when all of a sudden that stuff would hit, she she was sometimes preaching my sermon back to me, reminding me what I'd preached, saying, hey, we can get through this. We can make it. And looking back, it, it's amazing the amount of sacrifice that she made. I mean, I'm pulling a travel trailer and she's helping keep the travel trailer ready. She's taking care of kids. We had twin boys right off the bat. Then another little girl, she's watching them. And a lot of times when I'd get in town, the pastor was like, Hey, let's go. I want to talk about the revival. Let's go here. Let's go there. We're going to go knock doors or we're going to go meet with this family. Or I want you to talk to the leadership team. I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm over doing whatever it was the pastor wanted to do. She's got the kids. She's trying to keep laundry done. At the same time, trying to connect with the pastor's wife, working the altars. She used to close out the revival, or at the end of service, she'd play the altar call. And then it got to be interesting because I remember one in particular time, the boys were asleep and then they woke up. <laughs> they started fighting each other. Somebody told her, said, Sister McCoy, the boys are, your boys are fighting down at the altar. I mean, they were young, very young, you know, just playing around, but she's trying to 
do the altar call, plus pray for people in the altar, plus you got babies waking up and twins, to say the least, and having to take care of them. And then she's there for me as well. And then going around, trying to go on outreach, trying to do this, keep the home together. I'd, I can't imagine what it, what it must have took. But she went, and I mean... God called me to this, and that's why I know when when it happens, you're in it together. But I will tell you the greatest strength, outside of Jesus Christ, the greatest strength to my ministry has been my wife, the number one person that has kept me. Because there's days in ministry where nobody else is going to know, you know that you've had all you can handle. There's days nobody else knows what you fight, but your, your wife does. And she... I can't tell you how many days she was the one that encouraged me. She was the one that was like, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to do this. I'd, I'd left everything in that pulpit on Sunday and on Mondays or Tuesdays. I'm trying to figure out, man, we, we're fixing to pick up. It's 11 more hours drive here, 12 more hours here. Where are we going next? And she was my biggest encouragement, and she became all of that. And even later when I was flying a lot of places, she was keeping the home front. She was keeping all that, keeping everything running. And it's so important because here's the thing. Your family falls apart. There's not going to a lot of people wanting to hear what God's doing in your life because your family is the greatest thing that you have. You can't minister out of a place where, you know, you haven't received something. And it's hard to, to have a ministry that's effective when everything's falling apart part in your own life. And so the number one protector of my ministry, you could say, you know, I mean, obviously I have to, you know, protect myself, but the number one person out there besides me protecting me was my wife. And she has been such a help. Everything she does, there's no way, no way that I could do it without her. And the only reason I say that is because I can remember when I was young, I can remember thinking, man, you know, the, man, I've got to preach and I got to travel and I got to do this. And all I thought about was, man, I got to be at the plane and I've got to go fly out early in the morning and I got to fly here and fly there and I got to drive here and drive there and I got to study this and I, I'm going to be preaching this and preaching that. And so many times it's easy to take for granted the, I, I mean, the unbelievable amount of things that are going on in the background that I never realized because she just kept it going and all the sacrifices that she had made and absolutely incredible. And so, so details. the details yeah, the details that, that you don't realize and many times you don't realize till all of a sudden, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened. You get a phone call and I've received these phone calls. Hey man. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming off the field or I'm doing this or I'm doing, you know, yeah, we're done. Or all of a sudden you hear that there's a ministry that's, you know, it's not what it should have been because the family situations are because, hey, we, you know, we, we can't do this. And the, the greatest thing I think you can have, and I wish I'd have had a lot earlier, is an understanding and a respect for all of the things that she was doing that I wasn't even noticing because the worst thing you can do is come in and be like, Hey man, I'm tired. I'm doing this. And 
and you're not even thinking about the fact that she's been watching these kids all day. She's been keeping everything running, keeping the house, keeping the home, keeping the clothes, keeping the bills. Plus, she's praying in the altar. Plus, she was doing altar call. Plus, she's babysitting. Plus, she's trying to be friendly, and she's trying to do it all with a smile and represent you well and be there for you. And, and while she tells me what tie goes with what suit because I can't match to save my life, on top of everything else, and it's so easy to take that for granted, and that's the last thing you want to do because that's where the enemy gets in there and starts tearing down uh, a pastor's wife or a minister's wife and starts saying, you know, oh, well, look, you don't matter. You, this, you're not doing good at this. And I know Because I believe every minister's wife feels, or, or many that I've met that I've talked to feel like, you know, man, I feel like I'm failing here and I'm failing there. And a lot of times it's because, and once again, being completely honest, I wasn't as good at affirmation or saying, hey, you know, I can't make it without you. And this is making the difference. So I can absolutely agree with everything she's saying. Cause looking back now, I can tell you, I even tell the church here, like, look, that one matters. There's only one person ever stood with me at an altar and said, I'm here till death do us part. And if there's anybody that I've got to make sure is taken care of, mm -hmm. it's the person that takes care of me more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And who is, you know, my counterpart, we are one. And if she's, she falls apart, then I'm falling apart. We've, we've got to protect one another. And a lot of that comes with an appreciation and realization of all the stuff that goes on that gets taken for granted so many times. And, and it really does. I'm very thankful for her. So you can't very, devalue very what you do in the home because uh, it's important. If, and so you can't, if you're in that role of your mom, uh, wife, and in ministry, you and you feel like if you're keeping the kids or if you're maybe not the first one seen or on the platform or always the one that people are going to for problems or whatever, don't devalue what you're doing or devalue your calling. Absolutely. The weight of what you say in the pulpit has, I mean, it, I can't even describe how much of that depends on what's going on in your home. That's right. Yeah. Your home's falling apart. You lose a lot of credibility of what you're saying in the pulpit. Right. And I wasn't taken away from her, so I'm going to give that back to you. <laughs> I simply wanted to say that for, for the sake of anybody that may be listening, thinking, oh, my goodness, that seems like a lot that she's doing. It was, and she hasn't mentioned everything, and I'm yeah. I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful. Uh, I want to hand it back to Sister McCoy, and and I want to highlight one of the things that she said, the help me. And really in scripture, help me, uh, the word there is azar. And azar means helper like God. And so really, Brother McCoy, uh, me pastoring in Durant, Oklahoma, you pastoring in Porter, Texas, well, there is nobody who can help us outside of God himself. There is nobody who can be a great help to us like God, a helper like God. Like our spouse. Absolutely. Like our spouse can. That's Absolutely. It. And I, I think what I would say to anyone in that position is it doesn't matter if you feel capable or talented enough. It doesn't matter if you're hurting or suffering or sacrificing. It doesn't matter if you're insecure. God puts you in this position and you have to trust that he will give you what you need when you need it. And um, there's a couple of stories I just wanted to share for that. Um, very simple thing. Well, one of them was something. One of them was a, quite a big thing. But 
the first one was just how personal God can be. And that was when uh, the twin boys were, they were growing out of the receiving blankets. They were newborns, but they were getting so big that their little feet were sticking out. And mm -hmm. I knew I was going to have to get bigger blankets. And I was on the phone with a cousin of mine um, one day. And she was like, you know what? I was telling her about how they were getting so big. And she said, you know what? They've got these blankets on Pinterest that you can go buy flannel and cut them and make them yourselves. You should go look it up. Well, we were traveling. And so the very next day we were in service. I hadn't even thought about it since then. And we had never been to this church before. We had never preached there before. And when service was over, a lady I didn't know walked up to me with a bag. And she said, um we knew you guys were coming and they mentioned you had twin boys. She said, so I made you some blankets and I opened them up and they were the exact blankets from Pinterest, mm -hmm. the flannel blankets awesome. that my cousin had told me about. That's just one of the things that built my trust in the Lord because mm -hmm. he was, he was there in the small things. A big thing was, um, I had, I had been in the hospital several times for a situation that I was going through and the, um, <laughs> the hospital bill was one we could not pay. And we were so afraid of it. We were so afraid of it. We were so afraid of that bill that come in the mail and it never came. The hospital sent us um, a letter that said the debt had been forgiven. Wow. And just, just stuff like that um, was just so impacting for me um, knowing that God was going to take care of me. He was going to supply my need whenever I needed it. So if you feel lost because you don't know what your role is or you feel like a fish out of water, you've got to go back to the word. Your gifting and your calling and your dream, uh, if you're the one wanting to be the entrepreneur, it will make room for itself mm -hmm. as long mm -hmm. as we're in alignment with God's model of authority. Um, but we don't want to lose the opportunity to grow and miss everything you will learn while operating in the role you were first called to, and that is to help your husband. And I, and I, that kind of makes me want to ask another important question. We talked about it a little bit earlier about it. It's probably a hot topic, a hot question today, and you were touching on it a little bit about. So how do you balance? How, what would your advice be? And I know we've been talking a lot to couples and married couples, of course, but those that are this next generation of leaders and they're trying to lead this generation, they're trying to fulfill their calling, but they're trying to also be what they need to be in the home or in the workplace. How do you balance kingdom and ministry life being a mom, being at home, you can talk talk about it from the woman's point of view, and then pastor, you can probably come at it from that other view. But the biggest thing is people feel like they never have enough time. One has to suffer. Either their calling or the church or their family suffers. And so what would y'all's advice be to people like that that are feeling stuck in that well, I would say just, um, <laughs> I, I told our ladies at the beginning of this year, and I said, you have to be in alignment. You have to be in alignment with what, that's so important. You have to be in alignment with what God wants or everything else is for naught. It has to be God. It has to be family. It has to be the church. 
and then it has to be business. It has to go in that order or, you know, and to make that happen, um, you know, three things come to mind. Communication is top of the list. You have to communicate with your spouse what your expectations are, what, um, what you, you see your life being at home and involvement in ministry. You got to talk about those, you know, especially if you love what you're doing and you love kingdom work, it will take over very easily. It will take over. And so you have to be intentional with making time in the home and making sure your children and your family and each other are, are getting that, that quality time that you need. And you have to calendar your life. Mm. You have to schedule everything. You have to calendar it. So if we're trying to fight that. A lot of people say, oh, I hate it. I hate we have to live in that kind of world. But if you don't plan time, then it gets stolen. I, I 100% agree. You have to. I think you have to be grown up about it. That you're not living in spontaneity anymore. This is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not the single life. If you, if you're there, if you're married, it's not single life anymore. You don't fly by the seat of your pants. You do have to calendar your life, and um, it's a different world. You I build. Think. You build in family time. You build in uh, time with your spouse. You build in church time, ministry time, and then you build in rest time. So. Yeah, I'd say yeah. communication is the biggest because. Just because another family did this doesn't mean you can do that. Not everybody has the same love languages, the same needs. What one person can do without, your marriage may not be able to do without. What another, you know, what works for another and their, what helps them uh, get by, it may not work for another couple. So you can get ideas, but the greatest thing is you've got to find out what do we need. What, what, you know, to be whole, what do we need to be able, because here's the thing, you, your, your marriage in particular, I mean, your walk with God, your marriage, it's more important than the business. If your marriage fails and, and your walk with God fails, who cares what, how good the business does? If your marriage fails, your walk with God is not what it needs to be within the ministry. It's coming apart, it seems anyway. First, you've got to make sure your walk with God is where it needs to be. And then you've got to take care of your marriage. You've got to make sure, hey, because everything grows out of that. If that's unhealthy, then none of the other stuff is going gonna, is gonna to work. I mean, what's what, what's the point? So you've got to communicate. And, and she said, and she preached this to me uh, at the very beginning. I mean, this is something she, she stayed on me about because in my mind, I was like, we don't have to plan this. We're going to go on dates. We'll, we'll have family time. We're... But everything, and she said it earlier, what you don't, or maybe you, you said it, Sister Birch, when you don't plan, something steals that. If it's not locked in, I didn't realize, especially not just the kids, the kids, the business, and, you know, we have several businesses outside, well, you know, and then as well as pastoring the church and all the things that come with that, as well as, you know, our own kids and then extended family. We come from big families. My goodness to me, there's a birthday every day or, or, or something going on. And if you don't lock something down, there are a thousand things that are, oh, I'll take that date. Next thing you know, the time's gone by and you realize, oh, wow, we, we didn't do that. And, you know, you may think, oh, well, I'm so romantic. I'm this. No, it, it, it's just the way you live. In. <laughs> you've got to plan and you've got to, you got to be selfish with it. And you've got to realize, you know, Hey, I need to make, I need this meeting with the church and I need this business meeting. But at the end of the day, you've got to realize, hold on, who cares if I make it to the top? 
if I make it by myself and my family's broken and messed up, who who cares where I'm preaching if my family's falling apart? Who, who cares how, oh man, the church is growing, it's going to do that, but they're going to have to have another pastor because my family's falling apart. The only way all those other things make sense is if I'm taking care of what is the priority. The family was the, outside of our walk with God, our family was the first thing established. And so we have got to be very careful. We, we've got to guard that. And she has helped me with that tremendously. And so, yeah, you make that plan, communicate it. And don't just assume that what works for you works for her or what works for you works for him. You, you have to find, look, what do you need? What what helps? What mm-hmm. what uh, what keeps us in a healthy place? What what do we need to do? Is it going, you know, is it quality time? Do we need to get together? Do we need to go away sometime? Which and she'll tell you, that's the worst for me, it, it, trying to get to go away. Because <laughs> it is, because you get busy. But it's important. It's important. I think you have to communicate with each other and you have to find out, hey, w- what do we need? Because we've got we've to take care of ourselves. Yeah. We, we've got to keep our relationship first. And you got to, that calendar is... It's a big deal. It helps because once you lock that in and then you got to protect it, you got to guard it because somebody be like, well, what do you have on that day? It, I can't, I've, I've got something. I'm sorry. I'm going to be with my family. That's a family day. Oh, okay. So you can do that. No, it's, it's a family day. I understand there's emergencies, but there are so many emergencies that come and so many, you know, last minute things that need to be done. Next thing you know, my fa- my kids are grown and gone. And I've missed out on all this. And the emergencies are still there. They never go away. But my time with my family, my time to make a difference while those kids are young and our our time together, that that is limited. The other situ- the situations and the problems and the issues, there's one right after another. You get these taken care of next week, there will be just as many as more in line. But I am going to miss those opportunities with my kids at this age and those opportunities to spend those rare moments together and those opportunities to be along with her where we're making sure we're on the same page, taking care of each other so that we can lead mm-hmm. from a healthy place. And if we can't teach others how to be healthy if we're not doing the same things ourselves. Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, no, I think that's very good. I think that's why time is almost given the, the same value as money spend, how you spend your time. It's a resource. Uh, it is it is a true resource and it's it's the only thing that you have unlimited at this moment. Your time right now uh, has got to be spent right. You have very very limited amount of money in the bank. You have very limited amount of hours that you may work. But time, time is the only thing that God gave you that he is the ultimate one who ends time. He invented it. Nobody else can end it. It is he who can end it. And so uh, how you spend your time. There's no such thing as quality time. There is only time. We did not invent time. God did. So I can't put a high or a low value upon it. And so there's only time. But there can be time set aside. And there can be scheduled time but there can also be lost time. There can be missing time. There can be neglected time. I am not the inventor of time. I just spend it. And so I think that we need to be very careful of how we spend our time. And uh, 
I think this is really good. Before we conclude our podcast, um, is there anything else, Sister McCoy, that you would like to say concerning? Yeah, and it doesn't uh, have to be on the same topic. It, that's right. It doesn't have to be particularly on this same topic, but uh, I think that with this, I don't think that ministry life is going to slow down. It shouldn't slow down. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you want to elaborate any more on particularly um, maybe to young ladies that are out there, maybe they're single, maybe they're engaged, maybe they're looking at new business or what, and trying to find place in ministry, trying to find place at home. Is there anything else that you would yeah. like to say to anything. them before we conclude? To this generation of next leaders, what, what would you say? Well, I'm, I think I would just go back to finding that balance because it's so easy to get out of balance. It's so easy to go one way or the other um, because you're spending your time. It's where you're spending your time. And so to to make sure that you're not out of, out of balance, you have to go back to the basics again. You have to go back to the Word. You have to be praying. You have to be reading the Word. You have to be studying for yourself and because that's how you're, that's how you're going to hear His voice. And so um, also I would say, you know, don't get caught up in the culture. Don't get caught up. Don't be afraid to be who God called you to be, but also make sure that it it is also in alignment with the word and what he's calling you to do. Um, But uh, be, be encouraged and be um, stand firm in what, in what God's role is for you, what he's calling young women to be. And um, I have to say, I'm very proud of this generation that's coming up. I think they're smart. Mm-hmm. I think they're beautiful. Um, I think they're uh, driven and mm-hmm. purposeful. Um, but with all of that, it has to always go back to the basics. It's got to go go back to your heart, your motivations, and, um, and keeping your thought life and your prayer la- life, uh, you know, so close to the Lord. So that he can lead you to where you, where you can go, and then that to me that you're you're going to uh, grow in your gifting. You're going to grow in your anointing if you do those things. Awesome, Pastor McCoy. Would you like to end with uh, any uh, anything else? Any more words of wisdom that you'd like to give us? Well, no. I th- I think there's a lot of good stuff said. It really is. You know, yeah. Guard your prayer life. Guard your walk with God. Guard your home. Guard your family. It's uh, it's so important. It's so important. No man is an island. I don't know who said it. I've heard it said a thousand times, but it's true. And I think one of the greatest, greatest detriments that someone can do to themselves, especially a minister, is to start on this with, this is my ministry this is my calling and this is my gifting and it's off to the race as we go and everything else is just an attachment in my life and we're going to do it and i think the worst thing we can do is fail to realize that there's so much more than just me i've got to guard my family because it says as much about me as the way i can preach i've got to guard my time my kids and my my family life i've got to guard my marriage because those things have just as much power over and in my ministry and my ability what God's called me to do as anything else. And it's not just me. I've, I've got to, I've got to keep my eye on all of that. And, uh, 
Otherwise, you find yourself like so many, so many have gone. All the gifting, all the ability, all, I mean, really could do so much. But the home life began to fail. The marriage fell apart. Kids, issues in the home, issues that led to breakdowns mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically. You know, I mean, it's so important. It's so, so important that you guard your home. That's just an incredible thing. And if you do that, I'm telling you, it'll only make you better. And like she said, I'm, I've heard it. I've heard some people say, man, with this generation, they're doing this. I'm telling you, in, in my traveling, I've seen some incredible young people, and I've, they love truth. Mm -hmm. They love this apostolic doctrine. They're not afraid to sacrifice. I'm, I'm, God knew who he put mm -hmm. during this time. Yes. They're equipped. They're able and I believe they they can rise to that. Mm -hmm. Got some incredible, incredible young people I'm seeing, and uh, incredible young ministers. I, I it, it really is incredible. I, I see people. I'm like, wow, for their age, to have such a, a level of anointing, but not only that, to to operate the way they are and have, and be putting the right things first, mm -hmm. and and the things that matter, and to be guarding themselves. But I guess that shouldn't come as a surprise because God knew who he was entrusting these times with, and they've got it. And I am. I'm I'm very proud of them with everything. There's no generation that has had as much pulling on them to go in another direction as just generation has. And yet I'm yeah. still seeing yeah. so many that they're sticking with it. And I am. I'm proud of them. I don't, I don't think we let them know enough just how awesome it is that they are answering that call. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Well, thank you both very much for uh, allowing us to pick your brains in this interview. And uh, we do encourage all of those out there that uh, are listening to Next Gen Podcast, um, you know, reach out to somebody, encourage somebody, uh, and uh, find your place. Find your place in God. Find your place in the church. Everybody has a place. Uh, everybody belongs in the house of God. Thank you for listening with us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you can stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.